0: John chapter 3 verse 30 says he must increase and I must decrease. That is a wonderful song packed full of Bible and I'm so thankful we got a chance to sing that this morning. I hope that we will strive to fill our lives with more of Jesus. So let that be your prayer today. Would you uh, take your Bible and turn to John chapter 15. I hope you're all having a wonderful weekend. It is a joy to be here with you all. If you're online, thank you so much for joining us today. As always, we want to direct your attention to our bulletin. If you have not grabbed that already, grab it. There's a place on the back side for you to take notes if you're a note taker. And our prayer list is also printed in our bulletin, and we would encourage you to take that home and pray for those on the prayer list each and every day. We have one addition by the name of Melvin Mark, who is in Worcester Community Hospital with pneumonia and several different things, and so be praying for him. Also, you'll see needs in our church, volunteers needed, upcoming events, and so we want you to make sure you take that and keep that with you. Well, I'm looking forward to getting into this text once again with you all today. And I'm excited for those who are in our adult small groups who will have a chance to talk about this even deeper this week. But two weeks ago, we kicked off a new year together and a new theme and a new focus as a church. Abide. Live connected to the vine. And our hope and our goal for this entire series is to draw your attention to the true source of life. And his name is Jesus that we would stay connected to him through all of the circumstances and through all of the hard times and the good times, that he would be the place that we we fix our eyes on, on Jesus. We learned in week one that when we are connected to the vine, we will bear fruit, that we have to stay plugged in to the source of life, That we don't just give our lives to Jesus one day and then we're good. You don't just get saved and then you're good for the rest of your life. You don't just read your Bible once a week and all things are just going to be perfect in your week. You don't just read your Bible on Sunday at church and expect that everything is just going to work out. You can't expect to grow. You can't expect to be fruitful and to feel alive If you're not consistently connected to the source. As Christians, most of us would say that we know that. But we don't always live that. And so I want to encourage you this morning to to make this practice of abiding and abiding in Him through His Word. And through the Spirit's leading in your life, a practice every single day. Allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to work Your heart. And so if you're there in John 15, we're going to read our, our key section of verses again together. Verses 1 through 11 are the main focus of this series, and so we want to encourage you to be reading this often. But John writes as he remembers the Lord Jesus speaking, where he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that your joy may be in you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Now, many of us have heard the phrase, or maybe even used the phrase, that someone else is not bearing any fruit. From a spiritual sense, what we, what we mean by that is, is this person doesn't seem to be acting like a Christian. That their behavior it, it doesn't seem to be, uh, it doesn't seem to represent a person who has the Holy Spirit living inside of them, that is walking in daily communion with the Savior. Ultimately, what that phrase means is, is that your poor fruit doesn't seem to have been picked from a Christian tree. And a disclaimer here, topics like this are, are challenging, but they are never to be used as justification for legalism or having a judgmental or condemning spirit towards someone who sees things differently, though. Not all of us are on the same, same page when it comes to our relationship with God. We're all in different places and stages of spiritual growth. We all have a different spiritual or not spiritual background that plays a role in where we are right now in our lives. And it affects our thinking. And that's okay because we keep growing, we keep listening, and we keep learning. That's what it really means to abide, to remain connected to the source of life so we consistently grow and get healthier and get better. We stay open to other godly influences in our life and we remain committed to humility and researching things that wiser believers tell us that we may be getting wrong. So we may interpret a few things differently, but God's word is clear on how we should live in so many areas of our lives. And so we're going to focus, we're going to connect back to what we talked about in the first part of this series, where we talked about when we're connected to the vine, we will bear fruit, that some branches bear fruit. And some don't. We see two kinds of pruning and in our focus section today. The cutting back and the removal of branches. That even fruitful branches are cut back to promote new growth. That this is God's discipline in our lives. It strengthens our faith and it strengthens our character. It strengthens who we are, even if that's not how we feel in the moment. Then there are branches that don't bear fruit. They don't bear bear real fruit. And they're removed from the trunk. They're worthless. And not only are they worthless, but they can affect the other branches. They can affect the other branches with sickness and disease. And they can rob nutrients from the branches that are yielding good fruit. That those who don't bear fruit for the Lord or who try to block God's work, They will be cut off. So, we're gonna talk about these things here in just a few moments. But before we jump into this issue of of fruit bearing, we need to take a look at a little bit of the history and the meaning behind what we see here in verse one. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now, this sets the table for everything that we're gonna study over the next three weeks specifically. And the vine was a very important part of history in the nation of Israel. And as we know, the vine is what supports and gives life to the branches. And that's the only way that it's going to bear fruit. In the plant's case, grapes. Now, this was a symbol of the fruitfulness of God's people in the Old Testament. So I want to hold your place in John and turn to Isaiah chapter 5, for just a few moments, don't lose your place in John, but turn to Isaiah chapter 5. I think reading these verses, they'll seem a little strange on the top end, but I think they're going to help us connect better to what the disciples may have been feeling or experiencing as Jesus was speaking to them and sharing this illustration, and then after we look at this history, we'll talk more specifically about the pruning process and what that means for each and every believer. Isaiah chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you that, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its walls, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste it shall not be pruned or hoed and briars and thorns shall grow up i will also command the clouds that they remain that they that they rain no rain upon it for the vineyard of the lord of hosts is the house of israel and the men of judah are his pleasant planting and he looked for justice but behold bloodshed for righteousness but behold an outcry we see here that god owns the vineyard and he cares for the vine And Israel was God's vine. He loved them deeply, but they consistently turned their back on the God who made them. They did this often, and they grieved God. They they bore no fruit. They became uh, worthless. They lacked faithfulness to him. God's desire was for them to bear fruit, for them to remain fruitful. And he made every provision for them to follow. But they chose to proudly disobey and dishonor him, deciding what was right in their own eyes. We see this often throughout the Old Testament. You'll see this said about a lot of the kings, that they did what was, what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Or they did what was right in their own eyes. This is an example of the nation of Israel over and over again. That they disconnected. They forgot who was the source of life. They forgot about the times that he delivered them from bondage and from slavery. They forgot all the times that he provided for their every need. So God punished them. He removed their protection. Their city walls were, were broken down, which left them vulnerable. And their enemies took advantage of them and that beat them down over and over again. And that's what happens when you disconnect from the vine dresser, from the gardener. Ruin. And waste follow. The vine and its fruit would be a marker to the people during what is called the Passover. And this showed God's goodness to his people. And so that's a little bit of history on what the disciples may have been thinking or feeling or connecting this illustration to as Jesus begins sharing it with them. And while this idea would have sounded very familiar to them, things were changing. Something was changing for the disciples. Christ or Jesus is is now the vine, and God is the gardener. And this was new, and this was interesting to them. But I want you to look at verse 2 as Jesus continues. He says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, as As we kicked off this series, and it is well described for us in the New Testament, this is not a section of Scripture teaching us that we can lose our salvation. Because Jesus made it very clear just five chapters prior to this, as we've stated, that, that He gives eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of His hand. That the Father who has given them to Jesus is greater than all, and no one will be able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. That is a beautiful truth. John 6 reminds us that he will not cast out those who are truly his. That we are safe and we are secure in our relationship, in our position with Jesus. Of course, we're going to make mistakes. Of course, we're going to walk through challenges. We will disconnect from time to time, and we'll try to do things on our own. But if we truly know the Savior, and we've spent any time in 1 John, His Spirit is going to convict us, and we will be able to stay, and we won't be able to stay in that place of disconnection. So as we think about this verse, in its context, Jesus is speaking to the eleven disciples, He takes away every branch that doesn't bear fruit. Now, most scholars believe that Jesus is is directing his comments to something that had happened previously. Where Judas had been with Jesus, but he didn't follow him with his heart. And in John 13, Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. And he says that not every one of them are clean. Specifically, Jesus says those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. John says, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said every one of them was not clean. Jesus knew that Judas was a faker, that he had, that he had, he had appeared to be one of them, but he wasn't. He betrayed Jesus and the other disciples, and he never bore any real fruit. So God removed his branch. Now, this should stand as a visual reminder to each and every one of us that not everyone who is among us or who has been among us are truly Christ followers. Those who never truly repent and believe the gospel. But true believers will bear fruit. That's when we are living in unity with Jesus, observing and imitating. And so the question for you and for me is, are we truly connected to the true vine? Or just acting like we are? This is why sharing the gospel, the true gospel, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so vital and it's so important We talk about it often, and if you go to a church that doesn't talk about the gospel often, you should probably leave that church. The gospel is what this whole thing is built on. If we don't have the gospel, we have nothing to talk about. I have nothing to say to you if there's no gospel, which is why we're so passionate about encouraging you to share that truth with those who need it. There's something that we've been doing in our church for the last couple of years. Some of you know about it, but it's the One Campaign. It's this idea that, that there's, there's, well, there's this truth that there's one Savior, and we've encouraged our church family to pick one person and take one day at a time and proclaim the gospel to that one person. It's simple. It's nothing that's groundbreaking. But, but the focus is you live among people who are not connected to the vine. And we believe in what Matthew 28 teaches, that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and we're to teach them to observe all the things that he's commanded us. And so we believe that you actively participating in gospel ministry is, is vital, but it's also a command from our Savior. And so we've challenged our church family to pick one person. It could be a coworker, it could be a neighbor, it could be a parent, it could be a son or a daughter or a grandparent. It could be anyone that you know that doesn't know Jesus. And we've encouraged you to share the gospel with them, to pray for them, to let them know who Jesus is and what he has done in your life. And guess what? You can even invite them to church. It's okay to bring a lost person to church. Let them come in here and hear us sing about how much Jesus has done in our lives. Let them see you proclaim that you want more of Jesus and not more of the culture and not more of the world and not more of a celebrity, but more of Jesus. Let them see that. It's okay. Bring someone to church with you, but share the gospel. Because all I know is our mandate is the only mandate that really matters. And that is to proclaim the good news of the gospel, and that hasn't changed. And it will not change with culture or with what's going on in the world right now. That will require words. Maybe if you find yourself, you're staying at home and you're not going out, maybe you need to get on the phone or FaceTime or Zoom call with someone and talk about the gospel. Maybe we need to get off our couches and talk to our neighbor. If you don't have social media, or if you do have social media, don't forget that that is a great place to have influence for the kingdom. So use it for kingdom work. But the question is the same for all of us, is are we sharing the gospel with those who need it? Are we proclaiming the true gospel? That's a command to each and every true Christ follower. And so we want to invite you to join us in that mission We want to invite you to join us in this mission of leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We want you to be involved in that with us. So join us as we do that. Okay, enough of that. Back to our text. So we see that gardeners prune branches that are not bearing fruit. Verse 2, it's going to continue, and this is going to be our main focus for the rest of the morning. It says, And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So, is that you and is that me? Jesus says that the vine dresser will prune those branches so they will bear more fruit. Pruning. Now, that doesn't sound like good news to me. It, it sounds terrible. Spiritual pruning is not an enjoyable thing most of the time, it's not usually something that we would describe as, as a party. It's not fun. Just ask anyone who's experienced it. If you know Jesus, you've experienced it. But he does this so that you and I will bear more fruit, but bear more bountiful amounts of it. This word for prune, it means to cut off the little shoots or off the branches. And this was done in several different ways that you don't want your vines to get full of branches and shoots, so you have to thin them out so the nutrients can be focused where they're most needed. Some of them would just get pinched off and allow for slower growth, and then others would be cut back to keep them from getting too big and too long, which would compromise the health of the existing fruit. Also, if a branch grew too long, they wouldn't be able to hold up all the fruit on it. And so it had to be trimmed back. You see, pruning is necessary and it's vital. That there are things that that hinder us from being spiritually fruitful. This could be things that are a waste of time or things that lack eternal significance. But the gardener God will lovingly prune us during those times. God's pruning can also be about discipline or addressing sin in our lives. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. That when we live in sin or live in consistent sin, he doesn't leave that alone. He disciplines We see this with King David and so many other characters in our Bibles. They're all jacked up just like we are. They all make mistakes just like we are. And we can find hope and truth in that. But one thing is certain. God will at some point discipline the sinning Christian. Which is all the more reason for us to stay close and connected to the source of life and pursue this process of holiness in our lives. We also see that this pruning happens during seasons of hardship as well, fulfilling God's sanctification in our lives. Now, during a pruning season, do you find yourself complaining, responding in fear and living in despair? Maybe that's, that would describe you. It has me. Maybe it feels like God loves and He cares about every single person on the planet More than he cares about you. Have you felt those things? That everyone's life looks so rosy and cushy and perfect while your life seems to be falling apart and you're getting beat to death over and over again. And I'm not even coming down on you if that is how you feel today. If you have felt some of those things or said some of those things, join the club. So have I. I've let them come out of my, actually come out of my mouth. And it's honest to have human emotions and even questions. It's okay to ask God to help you understand the bigger picture because there's always a bigger picture. But we should listen to the author of Hebrews as he continues in verse 7. He says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. If you are saved, if you are born again, if you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, you're going to experience discipline. I have some more bad news. Sometimes God even allows this pruning process through pain and suffering. It can feel like there is a knife that is being jabbed right into your chest, right into your heart. And it's like an unbearable weight that you just can't seem to carry. I felt that. And then those times, maybe you're like me and you wonder and you ask those questions that, that does God really know what he's doing in this moment? And does God really care about me at all? And, and can I trust him? And why would he allow such such deep, hurtful things to happen in my life? But I've come out on the other side, and Romans 8 has made so much more sense to me. I've come out on the other side of pain, and I've come out on the other side of suffering, and I've seen how he has used it for good in my life. But that doesn't mean that I liked it. It doesn't always look the same for each person, and it may be different for you, but one thing is certain. We will be pruned. and That's the good news, so see y'all next week. God is the gardener, and He prunes branches that are not bearing fruit. Now, I don't know how God has done His supernatural pruning in your life, but I do know that He loves you, and He cares about you, that He loves all of us, and he cares for all of us, and He will never forsake not one single person in the room who knows him. But He wants us to bear fruit. He doesn't want all of this junk and all this baggage and all this drama that, that hasn't been pruned away to be dragging us down and hindering the production of godly fruit in our lives. The hard times that he allows, they will help us bear more and better fruit. And knowing him and staying close to him is important staying connected to him through everything and remembering that he loves us and he will help us understand that none of this is for nothing. It all has a purpose. And God's pruning shear, as Jason mentioned a moment ago, is his word. Look at verse three. It says, already you are clean, or the word pruned could be used here again, because of the word that I have spoken to you. As we all know, Hebrews chapter four verse 12 tells us that God's word is it's living and it's active and it's sharper than, than a two-edged sword, and it pierces to the division of our, our soul and our spirit and our bone, and, and, and it gets to the deepest parts of our hearts. It gets to the, the deepest intentions of our hearts. As many of us know, God's word is is what helps us move out the sin that's in our lives. His word is what helps us and strengthens us when we are hurting and it gets to the deepest parts of you and of me. And I've seen that happen, and many of you have too. His word is what makes it possible for us to pursue holiness. In Ephesians 5, it says, To make her holy, he cleansed her by the washing with water through the word. In John 17, just two chapters from where we are now, Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So God uses his word to help us respond during times of hardship. I don't know about you, but when I find myself in trouble or in tough times, God's word softens me. When I have problems and I'm in a troubled time, Sometimes just the simple, a simple psalm will just hit me like a ton of bricks. I think it's Psalm 19, and his word just it revives my soul. When I'm being attacked, the living word, it comforts me, and it reminds me that I'm not alone because it is truth. It is absolute. It doesn't change with my feelings. It doesn't change with the culture. It doesn't change with my best friend's opinion about what's happening in the world around me. It is unchanging. It is enough. He is steadfast, and I can trust him with my life, and I can even trust him with my heart. So, so what do we do with that? What do we do with this pruning process? Should we all just, hey, where's the sign-up sheet for the next pruning? Sign me up, I I want in. Like, let's do this thing. I don't think that's your answer. If it is, you're sick. (laughs) And thankfully, we're not pressured into wishing for or asking for pruning. But we can hold our lives with, with open hands. Trusting him to help us through whatever he sees fit to allow us to go through. You see, on this side of pain and on this side of hardships and challenges, in the moments of hardships and challenges, we can't always see how God is going to use it, but he will. If we're faithful to follow him and stay connected to him, And trust Him through it all. And that's where many of us make our first big mistake. Is when we have those moments where we lack trust in who God is. When we've disconnected from His word. When we've disconnected from that daily communing with Him through prayer and through times of silence and solitude. And we start feeling like there are better options. Those are the moments where We struggle the most. But when we stay connected and we remain in Him, and we wait it out, and we watch Him do His thing, we bear this thing called the fruit of holiness, of being set apart. So, are you bearing the right kind of fruit? Because the gardener, God, He prunes branches that are not bearing fruit. And so is that you today? Has that been you this week? Have you encountered those hardships and those trials and those struggles and thought God has left you? Have you made the choice to choose, have you, have you made the choice to follow the enemy's advice in your life and allowed sin to rule and reign? Where are you today? And are you bearing the right kind of fruit? As sad as it seems, these times of pruning are often the best times. Those moments where you are weeping because you don't know how you're going to take the next breath are the moments where his word just comes alive. In your heart. I have been pruned in ways. I, I can't even describe. In the last three to five years. And I'll say this now. And I didn't say it then. But I wouldn't change it for anything. Because God has used it. And I've seen how he's used it for good. And for his honor. And for his glory. And I'm thankful for that. So how is God pruning you? And are you allowing him to? And are you staying connected? And are you remaining rooted firmly in him? Simple. Read your Bible, pray, serve others. Love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first step. And you won't get it wrong if you stay close to him. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. I want to take just one moment... And I want to speak to a group of people in the room that this stuff just sounds crazy to you. This fruit being pruned, you can't wait for me to pray and dismiss it. You can get out of here. This is crazy stuff to you. That you're not connected to the source of life, that you are not connected to the person of Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is, do you have a relationship with the God of the universe through the person of Jesus Christ who died for you? And if you can't answer that question with an absolute yes, I know this Jesus, then you're in trouble today. Because you will never be able to live this life that I've described this life of joy and abundance and fruit bearing that has eternal ramifications. Beautiful thing about this idea of remaining is we see it in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 where God creates Adam and Eve and they were abiding with him in the garden. They had this perfect Unhindered relationship. But as we see in Genesis 3, the tempter comes onto the scene and he deceives Adam and Eve and he gets them to believe that this life, apart from the vine dresser, would be better. And they disobey God's command to not eat of the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they eat of the fruit. And in the moment they eat of this fruit, their eyes are opened. And they now know good and evil. And the Bible makes it clear that in that moment, this this dwelling, this abiding, this perfect relationship was severed. That they were no longer going to walk in unhindered, unbroken fellowship with God again. And sin entered the human race. And we have all descended from Adam and Eve. We are all We've all inherited that same sin nature. We are all born sinners who are separated from this God. And you can't be good enough. You can't give enough money. You can't be nice enough to get to heaven. And so God comes to this earth through the person of Jesus Christ. And He lives a sinless life that we could never live, He never does anything wrong. But yet he goes to the cross to pay the price for our every wrong. And he does that willingly. And he does it so that we can have life. So that we can now walk with him and abide with him. And he says that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus can be saved and given eternal life. And so if you're here today and you have never called on the name of Jesus to save you, if you have heard nothing else today, please hear me say that you can call on him to save you right now. It's not a magic prayer. It's not a walk to the front of the room, although God uses all of those things. Maybe it is a prayer. Maybe you do pray and you confess your sin and you tell God that you're sorry for your sin and you call on him to save you and he will save you. I was six years old, June 8th, 1989. And I remember the moment that I dropped to my knees and I prayed a simple prayer confessing my sin and I called on Jesus to save me. And I've never been the same. So if that's you, what are you waiting for? Confess your sin, call on Jesus to save you right now and join us And the most exciting journey that you will ever be on. Heavenly Father, we're grateful and thankful this morning for Jesus. God, we are thankful that your word is enough. That it is living and it's active. That it gets to the deepest parts of us. So as your children, God, I pray that we would be drawn to you. That we would stay connected to you and that we would live for you each and every day, through each and every season, through each and every trial, struggle, and hardship. Oh God, would we be people who remain connected? Lord, if there's anyone in the room today who does not have that relationship with you, you already know who they are. So God, I pray that you would draw them to yourself and they would be saved. They would experience this new life. They would experience this joy that is above all things. We're thankful for Jesus And it's in his precious name we pray, amen.